Time missing, no sign of him. I'm worried sick. I better write a report in one book. So if anything happens to me, then at least there's some evidence as to what horrors have occurred here. Right, let's see. Friday, 12, 5 p.m. Still no sign of first assistant lighthouse man Benny. Rations running low. I've been drinking my own urine for quite some time now. The light is beginning to fade. The storm is growing. All is lost. But, but, but wait. I, I can hear footsteps. You there, pal? Where are you? Benny! Where the bloody hell you been? I've been down to the shop. She said you were craving bloody scampy fries and ties, you know. When we rode our feet like about four and a half hours ago. What did it? I've got you down for 73 days. Mate, what a soap beat. Why is your beard so pissing long? You're covered in filth and oh, no, oh, mate. Why you got normal you got rags on, pal? What you been doing? Oh, I think I've had a bit of a mare, to be honest, but you've been a wet have, pal. Is that, is that lighthouse still been shining? Have you fucked that up, have you? <laughs> well, I had a chance I got dark, has it? <laughs> Four and a half hours. Jesus Christ. Well, I was seeing, I was seeing pictures on bloody... Mate, you've been doing more than that. You've been bloody casting without me. I've been hearing it. I'm on boat with Roadboat Pete. You were laughing out way here. I thought I was going to have to be bloody doing the story on my Four own from and now and a half hours, my friend. <laughs> Jesus. Wept and he's straight casting without me. It was your oh, pop and Chris I went no. You little <laughs> tyke. What have you been doing? But what was that picture of that boat? What was that then? Yeah. Well, fuck all it. Roadboat Pete. You're just sending me loads of shite on internet. He's just got his new oh, phone, and he's been sending me all sorts of crap. Why has he come through at Kraken Cove as well? He's been coming out on social media. Oh, I don't know. He's an old pisshead, isn't he? <laughs> he thinks well, he's clever with Donny your phone, doesn't and he? And you, you, you're coming, coming out of the water and things like that. Oh, I'm back. Mate, well, I've just come back with my bloody Bob and Chris for you like a good bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're totally gone local. But what about that thing in the pond? He bloody fell in, didn't it? You know what I mean? He's shaky old hands. He's all waterproof, <laughs> so he just fished it out, didn't he? You know what I mean? Oh, well, there you silly old goat. What are you doing? Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Why? What did he look like? Did he look all mysterious? Oh, you were weird. I thought some horrible app happened to you. <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm here. Jesus. And he's gone anyways, robot. He's off again singing his shanty. He probably got front lashed in yeah, that mate, He never stops. He had a bottle in board. I didn't think I was going to get home. <laughs> well, 
Well, you're here now. Well, that's oh, good news. Any interesting bloody subject matter, though, even though you did it without me. Oh. Flannan, wowzers. Well, what we need to do is introduce ourselves and tell everybody what we're on about. Because <laughs> here we are at Crack and Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar, right? And I'm Matt. And I'm Benny. Back. I'm oh. back safe. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I thought you were dead. Dead in the sea. And that's why I've covered a special, I've done a special oh, edition the of Crack and Cove. The missing lighthouse, Ben. The missing Benny. It's starting to fall into play. Exactly. That's just what it is, you know what I mean? And it's, oh, it's been a terrifying situation. So did you have a chance to have a good listen then? Oh, big time, yeah. Robo Pete told me some tales, you know what I mean? He knew about it. You know, did he? He gave me some little juicy facts and stuff, but I'll save and see what you got, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, what, that story was incredible. And I've heard little bits in my past, but never a little deep dive like that. Well, Wait, have you been casting about? Have you got some more info? Well, this is the situation we're in at the moment now, is because we've, we've looked at the story, we've taken it apart, now we've got to look at the theories. And that's the thing, you see, I need somebody to help me out with these oh, theories. I'm all over it, mate. I used to be like, I used to be into Shirley Holmes, I read all these books, and I'm a massive Columbo fan, so if you want it sorted, <laughs> I'm like, honestly, I must have watched Columbo twice, man, I love them. Let me get to the bottom, give I me think, some facts. I think Columbo would get to the bottom of this quite quickly, to be <laughs> But first, let's have a quick recap of what we're talking about today. This is part two of our investigation into the mystery of the Flannan Isle Lighthouse Keepers. If you haven't listened yet, go back and listen to part one for the full story. On December the 26th, 1900, just one year after the construction of the lighthouse finished, Joseph Moore landed on Eileen Moore, the largest of the Flannan Isles, to relieve one of the keepers at the lighthouse and begin his own shift of several weeks, tending the light. What he discovered there that day remains a mystery, even after 120 years. The three keepers, James Ducat, Thomas Marshall and Donald MacArthur, were nowhere to be seen. The lighthouse was in perfect order, the light was ready to be lit, but there wasn't another living soul on the island. And even though the golden rule of lighthouse keeping is that at least one man must always remain in the lighthouse to tend the light, no matter what, all three men had vanished without a trace. And although many theories as to what had happened to the lighthouse keepers have been posited over the years, no one knows for certain what fate befell them. thing is you see you see after the lighthouse when it all disappeared and they didn't know what had happened and there was an inquisition and it was like a big inquiry into what had happened mm-hmm. there's a guy called robert muirhead right he's a superintendent who's overall in charge of the flannel light so he's gaffer he's a gaffer right. he's the man he's the guy who's come from the, the northern lighthouse board to sort shit out to so get to the bottom of it. So he's that one in the story, he comes on board, doesn't he? And light's gone out, he's come over to investigate. Just someone well, to do well that other guy is called Joseph Moore. Right, and so what he is, he's actually part of the original team, he's part of the four-man team. Oh, so you've got a bit swap-over. He's a swap-over. Right, right, he's a swap-over. And their boss is Robert Muirhead, right. you see. And he's the guy who comes in to sort of see what's going on, sort everything out, you know, see if we can get to the bottom of it. And he did an original report, and his original report, his theory, the first theory we're going to cover today at Kraken Cove, 
on the missing lighthouse men of Aileen Moore, right, is that he thought the men were blown over the cliff, right, by a giant wind. All three, same time? All three, same time, blown off the cliffs. Right. Now... It's not without precedent. I mean, things, people have been blown off the cliffs all the time. That's yeah. the thing, you know. But, as you just quite rightly said, three men all at once blown off a cliff. Mm. What do you think? I'm, uh, my main bugbear in all this, and it's my little simple fact, oil skin hung up. Two's got the oil skins on, you know what I mean? They're all yeah. prepped for weather. One's been left behind. What they're all doing on edge at cliff. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, one without his oil or protective clothing on. Nah, I, it don't wash with me it either. Don't you know? at all. Yeah. No. And I think I think that's part of the issue as well with actually being blown off a cliff. Now, it strikes me that the three men, one of them, one or the other, or anything like that, got themselves into danger. And they, so the guy who was left back there, Donald MacArthur, right, the occasional yeah. keeper, he was doing the cooking, cleaning, all that sort of stuff. Ex-soldier, tough guy, yeah. knows his onions, right, <laughs> and and he was the one who ran out without his coat, and he'd, he'd not come out prepared, wouldn't he? Oh, so we know whose coat were left behind? We know whose coat was left behind. He called it his wearing coat. All right. And the other two men, Ducat and Marshall, yeah, right, yeah. they were the guys in oil skins. Ah, now, right. because their oil skins were missing, they were out doing a bit of business, they were out doing a bit of work outside of yeah, some sort. Yeah. And what seems to have happened is, whatever happened, either one or... It looks an awful lot like one person's coming to come a cropper, yeah, gone yeah. into the water or something like this. One of the other guys has come back and says, quick, quick, you know, to, to MacArthur and said, you've got to come out and help us. Yeah. And for some reason, he's rushed out and assisted rather than staying back. Yeah, he's missed the golden rule. That's another thing that gets me, though. I think some, in them days, following rules, you've got to follow rules. And the main one is, don't leave the lighthouse. Well, he's, he's also an ex-soldier. He's yeah, not the kind yeah. of guy who's sort of like, he follows orders, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He's going to follow orders there and stay in the lighthouse no matter what. I, I'd have thought so, and that's what that's why I think, find it a bit weird the idea that whatever had got all three of them out there all at the same time um, blew them into the uh, sea. Yeah, how could you crawl back in and say, "Come on, quick, one's gone over edge"? Well, he, that's that's exactly it. You can't. Yeah. As it happens, it was his sort of an original idea was Muirhead, you know, the inspector Muirhead. He his original idea was yes, they've been blown over. That's what it must be a freak wind, just blowing them all over, over, over above. And that's what his initial finding was. But they've looked into things now at the times when it was actually occurring, and they realise it wasn't actually that windy a day. Right. Obviously, yeah, on these yeah. islands, you have massive winds. Yeah. But even if it was. I've looked into like one of the windiest places in the world, right? <laughs> which is the cliffs of Moa on the west coast right. of Ireland. Yeah, yeah. But because this is on the west coast of Scotland, they're actually on a very similar latitude right, of, yeah, these, yeah. of these cliffs. So what I looked into was, because I've actually been there, it's oh, mental cool. these cliffs, it's, they're yeah, just yeah. insanely high. Yeah. And what happens is sometimes there's freak winds actually sneak up behind people. Wow, like a bit of a wind tunnel. Oh, yeah, like a vortex, right? Yeah. And they kind of whip people over, off the top with <laughs> them and flip them off oh, the cliff. <laughs> but it's because of the unique shape of those particular cliffs. Yeah, yeah. Now, these cliffs here, right, on Eileen Moor, this biggest island of the Flannel Islands, yeah. they're different. The way they're shaped... And because the wind was coming from the west, yeah. if it was a wind that was strong enough to pick them up and th sort of like hurl them, it'd hurled them towards the lighthouse. 
Ah, sweet. So it wouldn't yeah, have actually blown yeah. them off the cliff. Yeah. It'd have yeah. blown them towards well, the cool. lighthouse. Oh, well deduced. Well deduced, yeah. <laughs> so that was actually like a finding, and I think, no, because it, it couldn't have happened. And besides, three big blokes. So the bloody cliff, it's not going to happen, is Army it? Army No, they made a stronger stuff back then, innit? You know, a bit of wind for yeah. them. They'd be still lighting the pipes, innit, won't they? Well, they're, they're, exactly, they're tough guys, you know. Yeah. They, they won't be taking any shit in this. And, it's, and I, I personally think to myself, there's no way on earth the good these guys are gonna and even then three blokes don't line up on a cliff edge and wait exactly. to be blown over. Yeah, yeah. So I reckon personally I think we can put to bed the idea. I'm, I'm saying don't like the wind one, never have done. And I Robo Pete did sell me, he said, Oh that talk about waves and bloody winds and all that sort of stuff. It were a f- about a week of fair weather. That's yeah, what I've heard. Ah, this a is week I of have, fair I've heard it was it was some good weather as yeah. well. This is something I've heard, you see. Mille Right, so that's it. We can put to bed the wind. I don't think the wind's to f- at fault here at all. Tuck it up, get rid of it. Yeah. It didn't happen. Fuck off, wind. <laughs> <laughs> you can do one. <laughs> strike so, one, boom. strike one. But you can see, you can see why he thought so. Yeah, yeah. Lazy sob. Lazy sob. That's it. You know. But um, a really interesting one. Did you know about the one where the, there's a theory that one of the three keepers went mad and. Possibly ran over the edge of the cliff, right? <laughs> and the other two guys just kind of ran after him. Shit, is that an actual theory? That's a theory, which is bollocks, because they're not going to run over. I love the idea of it, though. You know, just like, yeah. oh, jibbers off a cliff. Although, let's help him and just jibber off with yeah. him. Well, uh, but the thing is, hey, see, is the, the link to that theory is the idea that one of the uh, lighthouse men murdered the others. Murder. Murder. In it's not a murder. The thing is, it's not without precedent. This this has happened. Yeah, yeah. So we ha- we actually have had a light a situation at a lighthouse where um the one of the lighthouse men killed the other. Yeah. Kind of wanged his body over the edge, pretended it didn't happen, and then he's been he got done for it, got found Christ. out for it. So it has yeah. been done. So and the main theory behind the idea that this has happened, right? Is the station's logbook, right? Ah, right. So that's written evidence. This is juicy. Juicy bit of written evidence. Because the problem there is, you see, everyone's been says it all the time in all the stories, they always get the logbook, and I didn't cover that in my story. Uh I kept the logbook back, right? So what we can get here from the logbook, right, is Yeah, we've got some we've got some excerpts from the logbook. (laughs) Oh she like this. Yeah, Yeah, give me the info. So, of all the strange circumstances surrounding the disappearance of the three lighthouse keepers, perhaps the most peculiar is the existence of odd, even mystical entries in the station's logbook, right? The mysterious logbook entries were written in Thomas Marshall's hand, right? Mm. Now, Thomas Marshall, I'll just refresh the uh, the older memory. So, he, did he take his court? He was one at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Thomas Marshall is the second assistant, right? So the first assistant lighthouse keeper is the guy who's up on sick. Oh, he's right, a sick yeah. guy on the team, right? And that's Spawny who... bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, yeah, because he's one down to Donald MacArthur, the, the soldier he's standing yeah. in for. So it's William Ross who's on sick, right? <laughs> so the, all these entries are by Thomas Marshall, right? And as he and it puts it as such. So December the 12th, Gale. 
north by northwest, sea lashed to a fury, storm bound 9pm, never seen such a storm, everything shipshape, Ducat irritable. 12pm, storm still raging, wind steady, storm bound, cannot go out, ship passes sounding foghorn, could see lights of cabin, Ducat quiet, MacArthur crying. Then the next logbook entry is December the 13th. Storm continued through the night, wind shifted west by north, Ducat quiet, MacArthur praying. 12 noon, grey daylight, me, Ducat and MacArthur prayed. Then the last entry, December the 15th, 1pm, storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. Oh, that's cool. Something I didn't know they had a cat though. <laughs> Duke, not Duke, his name's Ducat. Oh, fucking <laughs> Talk about Ducat. Sorry, at least the cat were quiet. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell, gonna be speaking. Wind steady, the cat is playful. <laughs> <laughs> Threw the ball for the cat. The cat was happy. <laughs> Stop mewing, you little shit. <laughs> you little shit. <laughs> oh, that's cool. It's oh, great. That's yeah. it, stuff. That's and this, it. Is, this is solid evidence. I mean, in this same part of the account, you see... Um, there was stories at the time, or, or suggestions at the time, there was uh, a, like a lamb and potatoes were on the table, still uneaten, sort of thing, yeah, plates, yeah. bowls of food. That, uh, there was a, one of the chairs was tipped over. It was the compare it a lot back to, to the Marie Celeste, yeah, yeah. or as it's properly the Mary Celeste. I'm going to chuck my first uh, spanner of the night. Oh, I've heard it's fucking bullshit. The whole log. And the meal on the table, it were a Noam, oh no, what was Pulp Magazine? Pulp yeah. Magazine, yeah. yeah. Oh, you heard yeah. it? It's Vincent Gaddis. Oh my yeah. God, you got, oh, got I thought right. I got you. I thought I got you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pete, he fucking winding me up, innit? Yeah, it's, um, this comes from somebody called Vincent Gaddis, who based his account on a 1920s American Pulp Magazine article derived, and it named it said it was derived from English sources, <laughs> and it wasn't. I mean, they've looked into it, and they're thinking, no, it's actually bullshit. But the weird thing is, the logbook is nowhere to be found. Ah. It is actually missing, yeah, is the logbook, yeah. which I think is actually more interesting, sort of like yeah. a mystery. Yeah, why than, the fuck is it missing? Yeah. yeah. I've heard the tip chair's true, though. The well, tip chair what, it actually was the chair was just pulled out. All right, so not tipped back. It, it was pulled away from the just table. Pulled not away smartly yeah. tucked in. It's not smart. Oh, this is the thing about the amazing thing about the whole lighthouse. When they say it was ship shape, right? I mean, it says it in this account. It says everything yeah, yeah. ship shape. It generally was. Yeah. It was like the beds were made, the curtains were drawn, washing up um, done, washing up done. Everything yeah, yeah. was spick and span, perfect place. The one single thing. Of the two single things you can talk about that was was an anomaly within is the th the fact that the chair was just pulled out, which you know, yeah, not, yeah. not that weird, <clears throat> and the missing oil skins and stuff. That's the what I keep coming back to that. The oil skin he just plays yeah. around my head again and again. I think yeah. they're all. We haven't got any evidence, have we, except for that one massive thing. Well, the other thing that's a bit weird with this as well about 
the fact that they were in a rush um, and he's run out without his coat, he's very carefully closed the door to the lighthouse closed behind him. Yeah. But also the door to the outer compound. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's not just rushed out, yeah. he's, he's clicked he's it shut. He's carefully shut those doors and you wouldn't be thinking about that, would you? In a blind panic, you just charge out. If you didn't get your hands skin, you wouldn't be shutting no door. Well, if you, if you think even in your normal, ordinary house, if somebody said to you, you've got to go run across from your house... Um, sort of up the street and running yeah. around and stuff, right? In the middle of a storm, in just in sort of outside crack and curve, yeah. you'd be bad enough. But this is absolutely up near the Arctic Circle. It'd be bloody freezing. Yeah. It'd be nearing. Just on that note, do you think they could have swung short or something with the wind? You know what I mean? I wonder what kind of doors are. Yeah, potentially. That's. But you start adding up, don't you? The chair. You know what I mean? The logbook going missing, the oil skin, the shut down. There's more, to, there's more facts than you can see first off, isn't there's there? There's more, more facts going on. But as far as going back to the kind of idea that there might have been a murder, that's not a murder scene. That's not the scene yeah. of a guy going crazy, is it? Yeah. A guy who does the washing up, sorts everything out, and while the two guys are out with the sort of oil skins doing a bit of work, he sneaks up and kills them. It's not going to happen. The, only, the last one from Robot Pete, and I know he's full of shit. <laughs> but he said <laughs> one, one with a booze hound, he snuck a bottle of brandy, and he's trying to have nips. Someone, the gaffer confiscated it, and he set him up outside, and then he got the other one out saying, Oh my God, there's been an horrible accident, got him out at door. You know, last one with no oil skin. Yeah. Clock at back at head, took them both off at cliff. Sobered up in the morning and thought, Oh my God, and jumped to the same place. Oh, that's Robot Pete and he's full of shit. <laughs> well, the, the, I think the only person who was in any kind of sort of doubt was Donald MacArthur. Yeah. I think the theory is that the other two were such hardened sort of like uh, lifeboat uh, uh, lighthouse keepers yeah, that yeah. they knew the Orleans. They were they yeah, were the guys yeah, that experienced. Yeah, yeah. and this yeah. guy is just a stand-in. Was Donald MacArthur? It's like an occasional keeper. Right. And I think if anything, he's the one that people look at and like. Weakest so, link the, type of the thing. The weakest link. Yeah, yeah. But I, I I just don't think he is. I think he's yeah. actually a pretty strong link to, to me. I think he's. I don't think he's gone loony and he's, he's done it in there. Because yeah. I think if he did go loony, he'd be, he'd be either wrapped with grief, he'd cause a mess, he'd be kicking off. Yeah. And none yeah. of that's happened. Yeah. It just hasn't happened. So I, you I, don't do that and then make your bed in the morning, do you? You don't you know do that, I mean? no. Murder him on night, go to bed, sober up, get up. Oh, you know what? I'll, before I jump off a cliff with remorse, I'll make my bed. <laughs> well, the thing is, well, if he's been on lash, you'd find that sort of telly was still on. Yeah. The cheetos all over the floor. It tissues backside and comfort chair. But like a right big yellow weed. Tyler, unflushed. Big yellowy. Big yellowy. They're coming, up, coming into Lias and going, why is babe stationed on that telly stand? <laughs> oh, I'm watching something before and it came on after look. <laughs> yes, ah, it's not me or him. Dead guy. Ah. <laughs> so, I personally think as well that the idea that there was a murder, I think that's just... It's fanciful thinking, it is, isn't it? Isn't People it? want it to be true. Yeah, that's the bit I'm at. And looking at it, yeah, that don't figure, does it? That don't fit the facts. Yeah, this is it, and it don't. And also another thing to do with the, the account that makes ensures because it's never been fully disproven. Is the, the idea yeah. that, that account of the logbook has been? There's no evidence for it. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you see, they all took it in turns to add to the logbook. Right. Right. So if you got the if you got the second assistant keeper writing in, turning around and saying, "Ooh." Ducat, the main guy, is a bit bit moody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going to come and log his out and say, he's going to look through and read it and go, eh, it's 
Excuse me, mate. <laughs> yeah. What have you been writing here, about? Yeah. This is going to go up my bosses, this. Yeah, they're going to be rolling round real quick. Yeah, out. that's it. It's going to get messy. <laughs> so it was all, all the accounts that always put the logbooks were very formal. Yeah. Uh, they were very much to do with it. weren't things like, oh, so-and-so's having a bit of a cry. We're all praying. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 we're all just literally physical manifestations of what they saw, uh, exactly. what the weather conditions yeah. were like. And not romanced into that. I've never seen a storm like this. It's, you know, it's just basically <laughs> yeah. real. I haven't stuff. seen a storm like this in 25 years. <laughs> so no i I think there the idea that there's been a murder there's been foul play of something human or amongst the crew shall we say yeah yeah. chuck it off cliff and all it's a fucking bullshit idea the idea that might have been murder right um i had a little look out and to see if there's any sort of like uh any ships in distress on the sea oh right? yeah and do you know what there were naff all there <laughs> and one of the theories actually on the flannan island the flannan isle mystery right is that the men were lost while attempting to aid a vessel in distress right, right. Now I think we can put this to bed pretty quickly. Yeah, I do here. Yeah. yeah. What? Why? Why would you think so? You don't it? leave the lighthouse. Two could go try and rescue. You yeah. know what I mean? But end of day, they've done a paid service. I know the cat. Con- the cat contact. There's no radio signal, is there? It's something like signals and something. Yeah. Bullshit, they, 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 I think. I think these are like these look like a little levers. I think it's a, like a ball system. They raise. Right. They raise their balls. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the sort of thing. And actually, there was there was observers on the mainland who were paid to keep an eye. Uh, out for these the raising of these yeah, signals yeah, on a clear day you can see them that's right my main one is though you've got three men on, on a lighthouse you've got to try save like oh, 60 men on a boat if you fuck up that lighthouse goes out and hundreds and hundreds die yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean so it's like you are absolutely you're right in, and they are smart men who they've had it beaten into him a situation like that do not leave the lighthouse because yeah. it is a loss of men you know what I mean Golden and they're going to get fucked up as well. I bet in them days, no wages in prison, but some are fucking really bad. Oh, the, the, oh, well, even like, it's better than losing your job in that time. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? You can, your family's destitute, especially when you've got a good job like this. Yeah. But um, I think the, the two points for me to say that there was actually no vessel in distress mm-hmm. is the fact that there is no vessel reported missing to start yeah, with. Yeah, so that's not on record. You know yeah, what I mean? there's, yeah. no, there's no recorded, oh, some sort of vessel was going from A to B, passing the flannel lighthouse, and it never returned. Yeah. Um, but also, if it was in distress, right, and they survived, they made it out, yeah. right, and got back to her. They'd have been telling the tale, wouldn't they? They'd have gone back to port and yeah. or the harbour and said, "Oh Christ, we nearly crashed at the Flannel Island." This cat saved me. <laughs> <laughs> this massive cat. The cat. But then they just sort of said, "Oh yeah, they tried to they threw us a rope, and then they were dissipating waves, and it were bloody awful." Yeah, you yeah. know that had been the story. Massive, isn't it? Yeah, and there's yeah. no story. There's yeah. no report. So no they, missing ship. No saved ship. Nothing. Chuck it off, Cliff. Chuck it off, Cliff. <laughs> Get it off. <laughs>
with ships, you see, might have been that a ship's rocked up, right? Mm. Now, this theory, I think, is, is, is one of a couple of parts here. That's why I think. Because the theory is that the men were removed from the island by a passing ship for some reason. All right. Right, yeah, so like, yeah. oh, like a ship's come along, you know. Now All I'll, friendly like, hiya, boys, yeah. and then... Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, could it be? One of the, the legends, the legend of the ghosts of the Seven Hunters, the Phantom of the Seven Hunters. Sweet. So that yeah. that was a ghost ship full of like um, full of like a, a ghost crew. Ah, oh, yeah. And they're thinking that could have come up because the you know the, the legend was that these you have to go through all these rituals and they've not done any of these rituals yeah, to placate true. them. True, like you said in your first yeah, tale, you Yeah. So is it ghosts? Have ghosts come up to get them and things? You know, you never know. Just to tap on it though, this isn't one to chuck straight away. We've talked about thin places, haven't we? Yeah. And we talked about, you know, the, like you said in your first episode on special, yeah. that um, you're supposed to follow the ritual and everybody was shit scared of that island. They've just come pissing up to it, haven't they? You know, flashing light about, not caring about any of that. Has it upset someone? You know what I mean? Has it really upset a balance? I think, I think it, it, it could well have upset a balance in, in these situations. And I think if the Seven Hunters, the, this ghost ship, yeah, yeah. you know, was was a real thing. Uh-huh. Can you imagine like the fog? Oh, yeah, Can you imagine man. that coming up to landing? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Scraping the hook yeah, along man. the concrete wall. <laughs> and then you open that little locker and... <laughs> in both eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, you see. But then oh, again, if cool. that was the case, I'm sure like all the lockers and everything, everything within the lighthouse would be full of seawater, wouldn't oh, it? No, it wouldn't have. Old Davy Lo- Jones locker. Oh, yeah, true, isn't it? Yeah, you'd have a lot of seaweed in like little yeah. cutlasses and stuff. Yeah, you'd have yeah. all that. Because so, yeah, that's what happens. When you get invaded <laughs> I've by... I've seen yeah. <laughs> seawater in that can of beer. like, seawater. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing, so it's like... It, but the other side of things there is that perhaps it wasn't actually sort of um, ghost sailors or ghost pirates or something on a ship that's come to wreak vengeance on them. What if it were real pirates? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know which one I like best. That's the thing. And people turn around and sort of say, like, um, well, what are pirates doing up there? What's yeah. the point of having pirates around there or anything like that? Pirates are down like the Bahamas and places like that, aren't they? They're fucking everywhere, back south. They're, they're about still now, aren't they? Around Africa and stuff. Well, this is it. In places like Tortuga, Port Royal, Barataria Bay, and Madagascar. That's the hot spots for yeah. pirating, was that, you see? Well, some of one of the biggest pirates. Is it Drake or something? He was one of the biggest oh, pirates ever, wasn't he? Yeah, well, yeah, a privateer. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was. I think a lot of them, because. Again, if you look at the armies of the time as well, the armies and the navies of the time, a lot of it were just privately owned vessels, oh, run, yeah. run by kind of adventurers sort cool. of thing, you know, <laughs> or dukes and earls who were kept under control of the king just by promises of land and money, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's what they were rewarded for their sort of best good behaviour. But I think really a lot of all these people are just rogues and villains, yeah, you know. Really. And what, what would you want with them two? Two blocks and a cat? Oh, not a cat. <laughs> Three blocks. <laughs> what are you going to do with them? Just like get them on oars or something? Yeah. It's fucking dull, isn't it? You know what I mean? Well, and plus they would have trashed the place. They would have fucking gone they through covers. Gone through <laughs> exactly. Exactly, you know, you, yeah. you, you're dead right. And exactly. smash the light just to cover the tracks or something yeah. creepy, yeah? And this is 1900 as well, by the way, so it's like 1900 mm. piracy. No, it's not really no, going there. It's beforehand. Yeah. You don't see Shirley Holmes going down in a bloody pirate boat, do you know? No, but there is, though, historical precedent for pirates within the area, though. Oh, yeah. right. Uh, did, did those kind of years? Well, I'll give you a quick rundown. Mm. Let's do a bit of pirating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 
So this is a piece by Mark Stanford called Scotland's Pirate Havens. Piracy in the Western Isles and Orkneys between 1590 and 1724. Right? What he, what he goes through here is that he's saying, he reports that government officials routinely complained about nests of pirates and illicit maritime activities all over the place. So as we mentioned before, Tortuga and Madagascar and places like this. But there was actually, during these times, huge pirate problems in New York, Charlestown and Newport. All the way down like Virginia and places like this, you yeah, know. Yeah. They describe these places as nests of maritime rogues. <laughs> oh, nests of them, you nests know. Nests of maritime rogues. Little, little you know? Twigs and shit. Yeah. But nevertheless, <laughs> with the recent renewal of maritime history and the increasing interest in pirates and their illicit activities, piracy in the Scottish Islands has received little scholarly attention. Right. right. So the Scottish Highlands, especially the Western Isles and the Orkneys, fit the characteristics of a pirate haven perfectly. These islands were located on the periphery of Scotland that had little or no central government control, and it was an area difficult to navigate, and it was easy to hide from authorities among the hundreds of crowded little islands, hidden inlets and little bays and stuff, right? So, so the three examples of piracy in the area, right? There's Rory and Tartare, and the McNeils of Barra, there was Neil McLeod and McLeod of Lewis. There was Captain Peter Love. Oh, mate, there's like really gnarly names, and there's Peter, Captain Peter, Peter Love. Love. <laughs> well, what kind of pimping pirate name is that? Yeah. <laughs> so by 1550, piracy in the area of the Western Isles becomes such a massive problem, right, that it, they, they were causing problems for loads of European countries because they were just using these as little hideouts, these bays. And as ships were coming by, they are coming piling out and robbing them and chinning everyone. So right? basically they are like, we must find love. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find it, son. You'll find You'll it. You'll go out and find it. <laughs> so in a letter written to the Queen Dowager of Hungary and Regent of the Low Countries, Ambassador Monsieur de Eck <laughs> warned that something must be done with the pirates in the area who were attacking Dutch fishing vessels. And they're making it so that they're unable to fish for herring and larger fish in the Scottish waters, right? So they're saying one of the main people they're blaming is the wild Irish. Fucking hell. So you've got yourself your, your Irish and your Scots, these desperados, these islanders. And because they've got so little actual stuff... Yeah, yeah. I think they go fishing, yeah, but I think it's a case not only do they go fishing, they go pirating at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so the sea, I was like, let's go chin them, boy. Yeah, so the choose, choose like going out one day, they're going out and going for fish, next day they're going out proper pirating. <laughs> chinning the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, so it's like, but there must be, I suppose it's like anything though, there must be like fishing wars where yeah, they're, they're doing yeah. a load of fishing, they see a load of Dutch vessels coming over, they'll probably go over and knock hell out of it, they'll probably kill a load of yeah. people. Yeah, nick all the fishing booze and yeah, that, and yeah. even the boats, maybe, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's the sort of thing that they did. So around these areas, they would sort of, they were, not only were they going for things like fish and they're going for treasure and stuff, but of course it all falls in with um, smuggling I'm too. About to say, I'll, I'll kick myself mm. for it, the old booze thing, isn't it? You yeah, know yeah, this is it, you know. It's, it's, and it might be the case as well that you know they're, they're wanting to avoid all kinds of tariffs, mm. they might want a deal, because obviously they've got the likes whiskey there, yeah, yeah. but they might be wanting a bit of brandy. They yeah, might a be bit wanting, of rum from the Caribbean. Yeah, or from the Dutch countries, you've got the Geneva. Which is our Genoa. What's that convention? What's <laughs> <laughs> it's gin. Is it? It's the first start of gin. Is a Genoa. 
Oh, right, so they brought it over here. I thought it was a very British thing, which you? Well, it was. It was originally a Dutch drink. Right. Yeah. And I think it's a derivative of the name Juniper, Geneva. Yeah. Right, yeah. which is obviously what gives it its main flavour. It's one of the main flavourings of gin. Cool. And, but that's that's what it was. It was they, they, were, they were after that kind of one of those. fascinating. I didn't know that. And the jocks being jocks, you know, they like a bit of booze no matter where it is, <laughs> don't you know what I mean? <laughs> so what they're saying is, well, because it was such a hard life over there, they had to do these things to supplement their own economies. Yeah, you know, it's a rough, rough yeah. days, isn't it? Rough days. And I've heard as well of like um, uh, being shipwrecks and stuff like that of the Scottish Islands. Uh, the chances are you wouldn't survive. Is it that bleak? It, well, it's double bleak. And the reason why I say it's double bleak is because if you're shipwrecked there and stuff like that, certain times, and you know you you washed ashore and you think, oh god, I'm saved. There's every chance one of the islanders would come along. Stove your head in oh and throw you back God in the sea. That is why. <clears throat> the reason is, is because they none of the islanders believed in learning to swim. Right? Yeah. If you fell in the water, you were going to drown because you belonged to the sea. Then you were placating the sea oh, gods. Oh man, so you shouldn't take someone from the sea. So get bad luck. So by somebody surviving falling in the sea, you, they didn't even haul them out. They fell in the sea. Oh, well, really fell overboard. Shit. Because you belong to the sea, you were part of it, sort of. Oh my god, that's really yeah. creepy. You know, you look at it that way. Exactly. It's like fucking, hell, it's like a powerful water god, isn't it? You know what I mean? That, that's, well, to them, it, of course, it was. It was this wild savage Ooh. that was just right on their shores, and they they would never, even if there's something they didn't want to kill somebody who'd come in off the off the sea, sort of thing, and survive and swim ashore. It was immensely bad luck for the village. Nobody take him in. Nobody look out for him. Nobody uh, tried to heal him. Fucking sodden clothes in Scottish temperatures. You'd be shivering oh, like you're as a good as dead. Yeah, good, as good as dead. Oh. But there was a good chance as well that locals would just smash your head in and chuck you back in water because <laughs> you belonged to the sea now. <laughs> Imagine how depressing that. Is. I'm alive. <laughs> Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? Fucking yeah. hell. Never mind your gnarly tooth, mate. <laughs> Watch out for a club. And they'll just completely smash your sweet. <laughs> Oh, you know, Christ. I know, and of course, then another thing is you know your ship smashed up and everything. It was the actual souls oh that belonged to the sea. God, All the rest of the stuff belonged to the islanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the blood stuff. I can't be asked to Get rid. <laughs> so there was evidence of piracy in the area. You know, mm, there were, there yeah. were, that it was a thing was piracy in the area, but it. To be honest, it all stopped by sort of mid 1700s. Mm-hmm. You see, excise men, the fact that there was more organised, because of all the wars in certain areas and with other yeah. countries, there were much more organised military and things like this. So it got to the point where it just wasn't going to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And plus, they didn't take out, so not much good pirates, <laughs> they? they didn't take bunker all. No, well, that's it. So, it's, it's, so that's well, nearly 170 years, or well, over 170 years earlier. Yeah. Pirate, pirate. Get it off, Cliff. Get it off. Go on, you pirate bastards. Arr, arr. <laughs> question is, as we said before, were the men removed from the island by a passing ship for some reason, right? Mm. 
You'd have to fucking drag him off, I say. He ain't going to happen. You'd have to well, drag him. Well, how'd you get in there? I mean, it's like a bloody fortress yeah, anyway, isn't yeah, it? You know? yeah. But he's a, he's a good... This is quite a good one, is this one. Because one of the ideas that was suggested, right, was that because of the time of year and one thing and all that, it's like, a, oh, it's not really an equinox time, but it's close mm. to Christmas. Oh, and, yeah, Christmas. Yeah, 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 close to Christmas. And as you well know, all our um, Christian sort of, like, feast days overlap pagan ones yeah, purposefully yeah. Yeah, yeah so what the theory was was the three lighthouse men were taken and sacrificed <gasps> to all the gods oh my god jesus <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> well exactly so well, that was a bit scotland bloody wicker man oh these poor guys god. were going to be put in a wicker man summer <laughs> oh, yeah i tell you what that's not bad though is it for all superstitious have got the thinking oh we get, we've had 20 bad winters since that fucking lighthouse has started that's it man that ain't bad well and as well they might be the, the idea that there they are on the lighthouse um, they're unhappy because the gods are happy, you know. Yeah, and they're yeah, just yeah. thinking, we've got to get them off, yeah. you know. We can't have these failed crops or some shit going on, all this bad luck we'll just pinning to it. Well, the ironic thing as well, it was almost exactly a year since the lights that first shot out. Oh, shit, so is, is that new? I it didn't was, know that. It was only one year. It was only Christ. one year. That's uh, a juicy look. And if I remember well. rightly, Ducat has been on the crew ever since for the full time. He's been sort of like, oh, there. He's there. Yeah, never wanted to go. He was, yeah. he was there advising was Ducat and he, he was but he didn't want to be a full time lighthouseman on there yeah, and shit. even in interviews with his daughter later on said he was nervous he had trepidation wow. he said the feel of the place was otherworldly he cried he had proper freaky vibes about oh. it you know and that, I think that's sort of something that adds up with that. and that's his own daughter saying that shit, yeah, yeah. but he also recognised an incredibly hazardous job you yeah, know, yeah. in the middle of nowhere I bet rock. yeah a mistake there is your life yeah you know I mean? So this is it. So, but because it's life on a knife edge out there, it's it's one of these situations where you know something goes wrong, you know you're dead. And of course, this island was used for seabirds, so collecting eggs on the, on the island as yeah, well. Yeah. Perhaps they were worried that the light being on there was maybe scaring away the seabirds a bit. Yeah, bit. So the, these locals are thinking, ah, oh, you you know yeah. you're, you're frightening our animals. You, you know you. You've just been generally been a menace by a lighthouse there. What we need to do is get rid of you. And plus, they might have been got used to a bit of shipwreck action. It could have been like a chunky part of the you know heritage of life, livelihood. Uh, getting a load of washed up goodies that suddenly stopped that year. Like, fucking hell, where's those freebies? That's a good point. I never yeah. thought of that. Yeah, it's true, though, isn't it? You've yeah. got to have some goodies if that if the lighthouse wasn't there. They're, so they want, they want sort of shipping to smash yeah. on the shores. And that's mm. it, because it's stopping that. But that's a good point. Mm. But you know, but as far as like the the spiritual side of things, the old ones, yeah. the gods and concerned, were they sacrificed? Were they taken off the island? Now, for my money, I think if, it, if they were taken, they'd, they'd have put the struggle, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a big believer in that. Um, but the, on the flip side of things, I wondered, I wondered if the islanders had any any evidence that they were into that kind of market, and that's yeah. the angle I looked into. Yeah. And there's nothing. All right, yeah. So the, the, oldest, the only thing I can get to, right, is the idea there's a place called Clad Hallan, right? And it's the remains of some ancient roundhouses which were on these islands in the area, right? So people have lived there then, roundhouses? Well, not actually on those specific islands, oh, one of the seven, but nearby, right? yeah. you know what I mean? In the area around about, they've been there for ages because, have you heard of, ever heard of the Lewis chess pieces? No. Right, well, they're the most fascinating thing. Well, I'm going to pull you a picture of these, right? I know me, I love chess. I know my chess pieces as well, but I must know one. Oh, well, you are going to love this, right? Let me just 
to them bad boys. Oh my god, they're super cool. They do ring a bell, but I've never had a good look at them. They're the original pieces. Oh shit. They're good, aren't they? They're really good. What's with hand on face? You know, that kind of... Yeah. That's horrible. So what I'm showing Ben at the moment, right, is the Lewis Chessman. And what I will do... Um, I'll, I'll post a picture of them. A lot of people will be uh, will be familiar with them. But they had the strangest, most beautifully carved um, chess set. And they're made from bone. Um, or is it ivory? Is it like one set? Is that just like one set of... Yeah. Today, 82 of the 93 known pieces are in the British Museum, right? Yeah. So no one knows exactly when or how they were found, but they were found on the head of Uig Bay, so they're nearby. They were yeah. actually, they were, they're known as Lewis Chessman because that's where they were found, just near Flannan Islands. Right, yeah. Right? But they think they might be made by a woman, which is another bit weird thing about them. Look, lovely. Can I, I'll show you this one here that you like. Look at this. Look at that strange guy there. Oh, yeah. Well, is that a shield? It's a shield. But what he is, he's a berserker. <gasps> so, and wow. because he's high off his face on sort of like um, fly agaric yeah, kind of poison, yeah. he's chewing. They were reported to chew the top of their shield. Shit. You know, like when you're you whizzing. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like that, it's you know. Like good, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's going like he's that. He's chewing gum, giving him a shield. Yeah, so like the Lewis Chessmen were set found in these areas. But, so it's been habitated by it by, for ages. I mean, literally thousands of years before Christ, kind of thing. Oh, I love it. Just one benefit for this episode. Uh, the you know maybe made by a woman, but they used. Do you know how they used to take the mushrooms and that the fly Garrick? Yeah, they go used, on. They used to make their wives eat it, and they used to drink the piss, and they're like basically the wives used to die off. You know what I mean? But yeah. they were filtered down into through piss, and they used to just drink the piss. Christ, can you imagine that? <laughs> oh no! I tried it. It's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Stinging me eyes when it went in my mouth. So the the truth of the matter the truth of the matter is. That um, although it's been sort of like uh, inhabited those islands, not these particular ones, yeah. because it was Saint Flannan was one of the only people who's ever actually been on the island. Yeah. You know, who actually lived there. Yeah. Um, one of the only other people who actually sort of survived on the island, right, was a guy called John Morrison. Right. So we were talking about ancient inhabitants and stuff. But what he what happened with him is I've got a little tale here. Yeah, this yeah. is from an older book. Is this one? Right, so among the islands, however, strange theories surfaced, and an old legend suggesting that the Flannans were part of another realm, cool. largely hidden from human eye. And these stories reemerged, right? So he's, he's talking about how the keepers might have disappeared and all this sort of stuff and what might have happened to them and everything, right? So, but the old island folk remembered the near forgotten tale of John Morrison. A fisherman who had been shipwrecked on Eileen Moor at the end of the 17th century. With nothing with which to make a fire and perishing from the cold, he lay down and prepared to die, when suddenly out of the dark night an old man had appeared and led him up to the ruined chapel where a fire was burning behind the altar. The old man gave him a strange warm soup, and although it was dark, Morrison had the feeling that everything around him was somehow different, right? and he fell asleep. When he woke, he was alone in the chapel, but because of the fire and the soup, he managed to stay alive until rescue came, although his mysterious benefactor had disappeared. 
Could this person have come out of an invisible world of which the Flamins were said to be a part? Oh, that is it. That's the thing you see. So it's I like, love all of it except for that special warm soup. What's dirty old man doing? <laughs> Mr. Soupy. Maybe he's going to keep you alive. He'll be like, oh no, kind of oh. close my eyes. Where'd you get this soup from then? <laughs> I can't let you know, but I've got an unlimited supply. <laughs> it's very salty. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so really what we're saying is the, those particular my, I, what, that story really accentuates is the fact that the, the Flannan Islands yeah. weren't really inhabited the, the habitation was on the larger more civilised islands around about yeah. you know? but as far as their rituals and customs were concerned about like the dead and handling the dead and things they found some skeletons out on the nearby island of South Uist or Uist yeah. Um Used Washed a, up like on the, on no, on no, but burials in, yeah. in, in a in a ritualistic manner. Right. So at first I thought, oh well, these might have been sacrifices, these yeah, might have been bodies. Yeah. But what they were were crude mummies. They'd been mummified. Oh, yeah. And it looks to me what happened to them is that they were. This is thirteen hundred BC. These are from right. Wow. So they could, but the the reckon might have been the, some of the mummies were even hundreds of years older. Right. But it looks like they were using particular rituals. It looks like they had been mummified, yeah. they had been buried, but they'd been brought out, and it looks as though they might have been kept out for perhaps hundreds of years above ground, and perhaps even worshipped, oh. right? But what they also found, which was a weird thing about them, they discovered that these bodies were made from different body parts. They uh, weren't all from one person. Frankenstein, though? It kind of like, Ooh. yeah. So they'd been put together... And then it looks like they're being kind of just created almost like these effigies to be worshipped, like ground oh, gods that have been dug shit. up. So that, but they haven't found sign of ritual sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and even like as far as the original uh, religion that was concerned on there, they were known as Celtic polytheism. All right. So they were. They were. It was. A, it was a usual sort of thing that they believed in, which was. Um, Celtic gods, yeah. stuff to do with the Norse gods and things like that, which yeah. had gone across, and all sorts of little things like this. Um, all the sa- same beliefs of the Iron Age and all the all the all the. Because it means many, doesn't it, Pollen? <clears throat> That's it. So it's many gods, really. Yeah, yeah. It's a belief in very many gods, but when Christianity eventually came to the islands, which is about the 11th century, spoil it all. It spoil it out. What? <laughs> I tell life, it wasn't the 11th century. It was about 500 AD that eventually got there and stuff. So, yeah. but I think it clung on a little bit. But the Scottish took to Christianity so heavily. Oh. I mean, really, really got into it. It was yeah. like that's their thing. Um, although they did obviously wor- not worship, but sort of fear the sea. They didn't worship it. Yeah. And this is like now it's like Scottish Presbyterianism. Yeah. It's like this very, very sort of like a hard line religion uh, version of Christianity yeah very hard line and as such the idea that there might be people still kicking about in little uh, enclaves sort of thing um, worshipping the old gods it's not going to happen there Oh, so it's just oh, not. You're gr- pissing on me chips. This is my one. Well, I'm going to teetering on edge. Don't <laughs> kick it off. I like this one. Oh, it could be coming. Yeah. yeah. So oh. basically, so what we've got, we've, we've we've studied, we've studied the whole I- the idea. Has anyone taken off the island for, just for a bit of fun and sport? Not going to happen. Oh, right? Yeah. Right. Is it going to be pirates? Nah. 
pirates are all done and dusted, like yeah, you say, there's still stuff like this yeah. booze in the cupboard kind yeah. of thing. It won't, won't have happened, right? And the idea that there might have been sacrifice to ancient pagan gods in the islands isn't going to happen because there's no ancient pagans. Yeah, no one left. Yeah. Get it out, sauce it off. Well, the, the only nearest thing, though, the only thing I'm going to allow for this, which is a point you've made, which I've not seen, uh. the idea that the locals who might have been still Christians resented the lighthouse shining its light out. You'd smash it up, though, wouldn't you? The tap the men oh, smash it up. You've done it, yeah. yeah. Pissed on my own chips now. <laughs> <laughs> here right is that the uh, the three lighthouse men were abducted by aliens <gasps> what do you think no yeah let's kick that one off the edge <laughs> get off <laughs> theory here right this is a really weird one but the odd thing about it is it keeps coming back again and again right which theory is this what what this theory is is this theory of the three birds what women (laughs) (laughs) no what what it is No, it's it's not three three young ladies. <laughs> so so what it's, it's going to be is the idea that there was three in some way or another three birds were seen on the island. Now in the uh, poem, I, I I sort of read out a little piece of a poem called Flannan Isle, right? Oh yeah. Uh, by yeah. William uh, Wilfred Wilson Gibson, and in that there's a part of it where he actually puts here. Now let me have a little look here. It says, and as into the tiny creek. We stole beneath the hanging crag. We saw three queer black ugly birds. <laughs> Too big by far, in my belief, for guillemot or shag. Right? So he thought he'd seen this. He's linked this thing in his poem about these three black birds, right? So what's, a, what's a shag in there? Gully, a guillemot or a shag, which is a common seabird on those areas. On those, on the black? Uh, um, um, that's a guillemot skull up there. All oh, right, yeah. 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 So it's, they're basically just like a seabird, um, but they're like um, they're like a. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll post a picture of them there. Right, I'm getting you because I'm just thinking seagulls. I can't think of one like that. Yeah, I see. Are they quite a big bird? So they're basically just like a couple of ordinary seabirds. But the, what they're saying is these seabirds were of a, of a gigantic size. Yeah. But it's not the only place this appears in this poem. And I also think the poem, although it was only written about 11 or 12 years after after the actual incident itself, I think he's taking his inspiration there because the the suggestion that the birds were there were, you know, like a constant. People said, oh, you know, they're... So I've got a little thing here, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's a children's mystery writer called Carrie Miller in a book called Baffling Mysteries. A collection of weird problems and unsolved riddles, in which he writes, The local people, who knew more about the history of the Flannans than did the investigators, have a very different theory, which continues to be passed down from generation to generation. 
They say that an unseen force on the island of Eileen Moor would not tolerate intruders and got rid of them. They say that when Joseph Moore flung open the door of the lighthouse and called out the name of his friends, three enormous black birds, the like of which have never been seen before, launched themselves from the top of the tower and flew out to sea. That is a fucking ace. It's what? mad, isn't it? Uh, didn't they grab him as well, then? Well, this is the thing. They don't know whether the fact... There's a theory that three birds carried the men off. Yeah, yeah. So these three birds came down, carried the men off, and flew off with them. But another theory is that they've been turned into these oh, things. Oh, wow, yeah. By the little people, the oh. pygmies of the island. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the little pot bellies. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Which is what we're going to come on to next. But what we're going to f- cover first is we've got to look at the birds. And I thought to myself, why? Why do we keep having this theory that's coming back to this three birds? Yeah, yeah. Very and specific, isn't it? Three birds. Three, well, it's, it is very specific that it's three birds, but the fact that it's just birds at all. Well, I mean, yeah, it's an island full of birds, there's bird colonies, but you'd have thought these men would be very familiar with the birds they can see or what yeah, they're talking yeah. about, you know? And then I thought, well... This seems a bit more, so I've had to do a bit more digging Ooh, today, a right? More so casting on a it. Bit more, I've had to do a bit more casting. Intense cast. Yeah, <laughs> mega cast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what I discovered was the boobery. Oh, is that type of So what I'm going to do first, I'm going to get you a picture of a boobery up. A boobery? Yeah. So I'll just show you that picture now. This this is a boobery. Yeah, honestly, the, the light, one bit is like, I don't say cute, but it's like a dodo, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's very similar shaped. And then the other one looks fucking terrifying, yeah. like some kind of phoenix type of looking thing. Well, this is the thing. It's because it's... Is it, is it a mythical beast? Who knows, right? But I will tell you now what Wikipedia tells about a boobry, right? The boobry is a mythological shape-shifting entity inhabiting the locks of the west coast of Scotland. <laughs> It commonly adopts the appearance of a gigantic waterbird resembling a cormorant or great northern diver. But it can also materialise in the form of various other mythological creatures, such as a water bull. A water bull? A water bull. I don't know what a water bull is, actually. Yeah, you know. We might have a little look later, you know. I mean, I think a water bull or water horse, disease, I don't know if the word portmanteau is the right term, but what they used to like to do is, in a lot of mythological creatures, they like to sort of like add. You know, like... Oh, what you were on about before, when you're mixing them up, putting two together and yeah, three together. And their stuff. idea of imagination for creatures was to turn around, like, say, to call it a rhino or dog yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, so it could be a bit like a seal crossed with a cow. Yeah, that thing. kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. That's what, so I think that's what a water bowl kind of thing is, right? So, but, you know, so it's generally a malevolent entity, right? The boobery typically preys on livestock being transported on ships. It's also very fond of otters, <laughs> of which it consumes a considerable number right? as a snack yeah. so as its manifestation as a water horse the creature is able to gallop across the top of locks as if on solid ground and during the summer months it is seen infrequently as a large insect sucking the blood of horses right? oh. yeah. but they reckon the folklorist uh, there's a folklorist Campbell of Islay right he speculated that descriptions of the Brewery may be based on a sighting of the Great Orc. <laughs> now, the Great Orc, A-U-K, not... Oh, oh, okay, right, yeah, right. Yeah. The Great Orc, right, 
apparently made a bellowing sound, right? Wow. As it, and it, it, that's what might have given it, you know, sound of like a like a booming. So yeah, I think it might yeah. be like a bull. That's where the water right, bull idea yeah, comes yeah. from. But the great orc itself was very much like a razor bill, or just normally like a a, a seabird of yeah. the of the north. Yeah. But the thing about the the great orc was it's now extinct. It was hunted to extinction. Oh. But it was filled the niche in the north of the penguin. Right. It couldn't fly. It was oh, just wow. like a giant penguin. Yeah. But it was big. It's like the size of an emperor penguin. Yeah, Massive yeah. lad it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it couldn't fly. So obviously, when we're talking about this, but the boobry here, as a thing, can fly. You know, but I think the name the boobry may derive from bobre, meaning cow giver or cow bestowing, which is a bit of an odd one there. Yeah. You know, so they're finding lots of things. But he also lists it as tab bodre which translates as monster or demon. Whoa. So, you know, and it's another idea of looking at it is a god capable of changing himself into many forms. Yeah. So there's all these things worked down to it being either a god, being a, a monster or a demon. Yeah, you know. yeah I love that. Because that myth at Waterhorse, that lives on in Scotland because there's been a couple of really weird shit, um, kid movies about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I have come across that before, but I didn't know it kind of... It's got a dark side and it can shift and change. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, say, that sounds dark, doesn't it? I think so. I think it look, It sounds really sort of like really bizarre, but it's like a. So the, the common sort of folk belief, the description, and common attributes are investigations into folklore, especially Celtic oral traditions, began in the 19th century, and several bizarre and less familiar beasts were identified, including the boobry, and it can become different sort of like creatures. But its preferred food is calves. Right, so baby cows, mm-hmm. but it was also happily lambs and sheep, <laughs> <laughs> and it carries its prey away to the deepest water before consuming it. Right, so it's it's in its favoured bird manifestation, the boobry resembles a great northern diver. So again, like an orc, one of these diving yeah, birds yeah. and things like this. Right, but it's got white markings. Right, and according to the folklorist Campbell of Islay, a detailed account of its dimensions. Provided by an authoritative source, claims that it is larger than 17 of the biggest eagles put together. (laughs) I'd like to see that, please. (laughs) It has a strong black beak about 11 inches wide and 17 inches in length. So that's like a foot and a half long beak, right? And the final five inches of the beak tapers like that of an eagle. So it's got a big hooked beak, right? The creature's neck is almost three feet long, so that's a metre long for its neck, right? With a girth of little under two feet. So it's two feet deep, it's thick as its neck, right? It's all about the girth. Yeah, so it's got like, it's, it's got short black powerful legs that lead to a webbed feet with gigantic claws. So uh, an imprint of a booby's foot left in some lakeside mud equals the span of a large widespread of de- red deer horn. So it's well, about fucking, he's got a weird measurement so this He's <laughs> getting on me tits with this. Why did he eat like? He's about 17 eagles in size and he's a deer horn in like <laughs> Teeth the size of squirrels. <laughs> so this, so to them, to the people of this local area, it was genuinely a thing. It was right. a, the boobery was like fucking a... Yeah. That's thing of fear, isn't it? My yeah. God. And that's the thing nobody's actually mentioned so far. That the boobery could have been involved in this. Mm. It has been that in none of the uh, none of the literature that I have looked up. Weird to say they've been mentioning birds so much and they haven't gone to old booby. <laughs> boobery. Going <laughs> 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 boobs. <laughs> Just a damn pair of tits on a bird. <laughs> 
But no, so I think that's an interesting one, is that, you know. And I think as well the fact that he can take the form of a bull or a horse. Yeah. It shows that they're imbuing it with a great power, I think. Yeah, and that's yeah. the idea of it there, you know. That's if he's my... carried off two of them, it could be outside, like, changed into, like, a little bit of something else to tease the other one out, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. that's it, you know. Use but... his sexy boobies <laughs> to get but, the other one out. But I think the, the case is, you see, that the um, when they said, oh, he's flown away from the top of the lighthouse when... when uh, more came in. Yeah. Um, there's no count of them ever saying that, you know. Uh, and it seems like it's all the fanciful. Oh, stories. I'm getting you now. So when the investigating dude came, the the, That's the right. fourth lighthouse dude came. Then the three birds took off. That's right. Oh, that's shame. That ain't written down, though. That's I good. Know. So I think really we're in the in the accounts of the lighthouse men of Muir, uh, Muirhead and stuff like this, yeah. all the people who were sort of like investigating, there's been no account whatsoever of the three birds. Oh, it's a good romance, though, isn't it? That's ah, a great a story, one. really. Ah. Oh, but, and the good thing is now we've actually found a new cryptid to add yeah. to our little list of yeah, look into. Yeah. So we can, we can have a little look into that. But I think... As far as I'm, I don't know how brave you are in actually. We're not going to drown, either, so we can kick yeah. him into the sea and swim away. Of course, the boat break. Oh, he's flown off. He's <laughs> off. <laughs> turned into birds we've obviously we've, we've kicked the birds off the island now you know the boobries yeah. they're all gone but uh, one of the people what the people thought was that the, the little people of the island they did it right and that's the thing I found fascinating again people have been talking about these little sort of like the little people of the island and this isn't a habitated island it's, it's they're only little as you can see yeah. from the maps and stuff that we've looked at the, these islands aren't massive you know so if there was little people on them you'd be able to find them Right, uh -huh. but one of the main evidences they said for the little people being on there, and this came from the uh, the writer Martin Martin, who I mentioned actually when we did the main main show. Oh, there's, yeah. there's a guy there who was he was a, a, a chronicler of the Western Isles. I never guy. trust a man who's got the same name twice. So no. I always find that a bit freaky. But go on. rebel, rebel, New York, New York, because. Um, there was a, there was a, an investigation and they all sort of looked into it and, and this Martin Martin said that these bird these bones had been found on the island right. and they said some of these bones were just like two inches long and they said they were the bones of the little people <laughs> so they find these tiny little bones everywhere and stuff but the reality is obviously you know it's a seabird colony yeah yeah and it's been a seabird colony for thousands and thousands of years and these big birds and little birds there's obviously various species that are on there and. I think really the reality is they've dug in and found the bones of little birds, but finding a few little bones doesn't actually make you think, oh, there's a whole race of little people. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a massive jump, is that? So I just think to myself, that's one thing that's been kind of bothering me, is this, you know. The first traveller so far that's been ascertained who wrote about the pygmies, as they're called, or pygnies, that's the original oh, yeah. spelling of pygmy, right, was one Dean Monroe. So in his pastoral capacity, right? So I think he was like a, uh, he was a, he was a religious man, yeah, right? Clergy, yeah, know. and he sort of like go around. So he was like a, and he wrote about him in 1549, and he said, at the north point of Lewis, there is a little isle called Pygmy's Isle, with a little kirk in it, and a little kirk means it's a little building, right? right. Now you remember Eileen Moore, 
Uh-huh. It's, it's there, it's got a little chapel on it, you can just see it on the island there. Yeah, yeah. And before that, that's the only thing that would have been on it. Right. Pygmy's Isle. So there's a little kirk in it of their own handiwork. So he's suggesting they built this, right? And within this kirk, the ancients of that country of Lewis say that the said pygmies have been buried there. Many men of different countries have delved deeply in the floor of the little kirk, and I myself among the rest, and have found it deep under the earth certain bones and round heads of wonderful little size, alleged to be the bones of the said pygmies, which may be likely, according to sundry histories that we read of the pygmies, but I leave this far to the ancients of Lewis. Right? Oh, wowzers. So he's claiming that's what he's found, you know, he's, he's found these little bones and stuff and he thinks that's, what's, that's yeah, yeah. all the evidence he needed for yeah. that, you know? <laughs> But again, the reality is, it's seabirds. What, yeah. little round heads? Have little round seen, heads, yeah. Where can you yeah. get it with? Don't, don't you have a beak? <laughs> well, there will be a beak on it, but they might have broken off. In yeah. that case, I think sometimes when you're digging around and you want to see things... Yeah, you collect the round-headed ones that snapped yeah, off on the ground, it, you and you know. think, oh, that's a beaky one. <laughs> so this is it, so he's, he's thinking it, it could, that could well be it, you know. But the reality is, you know, there's no... he's not Nobody's actually talking about seeing these things, yeah, you know. Yeah. And they don't know what... The, obviously, there's no photographic evidence of such things, a lot of pygmies and that. But there was a great belief and in fact fear of the little people of these islands well it's quite close to ireland maybe yeah oh, lighthouse man found the lucky charms <laughs> well oh, <am> I... <laughs> oh sorry <I'm> kid. <laughs> well this is what's interesting you see so in his well-known description of the western isles at the end of the 17th century martin martin tells us of the small bones which he had been dug up and he says it gave ground to a tradition which the natives have of a very low-statured people living here once that were called the Lusburden, right? Or Lusburden, right? So the Lusburden is clearly the modern version of Lusparden, which both in Gaelic and Scots stands for pygmy, right? Cool. And it's probably derived from Lusbirod, right? Or little spirit. But other writers have given it a more fanciful sort of like derivations, right? Uh-huh. There's a map, right, by an ancient cartographer, right, called Bleu, right? Uh-huh. And he wrote, the, he did these lovely detailed maps about the sort of 15th, 16th yeah, centuries of these areas. Nice. Absolutely fantastic, right? And he names the island, right? And it appears as Yelen Dunibeg, or Island of the Little Men. Wow, That's what it appeared shit. on this map, yeah, yeah. right? So he's going back and back and back, yeah, right? Yeah. And they find that this is absolutely bizarre, right? So in a r- rough sketch of Lewis, uh, drawn by one Captain Dines, it appears of the Isle of Pygmies, which name is also given to it by Martin, though he states that the natives called it the Island of the Little Men as well. Right? So it was a, in the, the Odin service map of the present day, it appears this, this particular other island near Lewis is called Lukruban, right? Which is plainly identical to Lucrapain or Lucrapine, right? Which are these two other names which are being used for it, right? Now, the thing is, is Lucrapine. Lucrapine comes again and again on a leprechaun. (gasps) Oh, shit. That is where they think the name has come from. It comes (laughs) through the pygmy isles, it's saying leprechauns lived there. Wow. Now, because of where it sat in the sea, it's almost equidistant as the islands here. It's almost as easy to travel from Ireland as it is from Scotland. Yeah, so yeah. the links to the, they're saying that it's an island of the leprechauns. Oh my god! Right. Now the weird thing is about the area, right? The tradition was now current in the area about pygmies, right? Um, 
that, that's what people are finding interesting now. So they said to they said at one point they said to have been Spaniards who came to Lewis 500 years ago, right? <laughs> and in the year uh, and I think in the year 1 AD, big yellow men came from my um, came from Argyle and drove the little men of Cundale, right, to another island. So what they're saying is giants have been driving pygmies out. She herding them off. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love that sight. Yeah. <laughs> so they moved to this this uh, this island, this Lucraban. That's where they moved to, right? But when the pygmies got too numerous, they emigrated to Europe and Knockhead, right? Which is another area in the same vicinity. So they moved from one island, they moved away to Europe and stuff. Yeah. So they lived on buffaloes, which they killed by throwing sharp pointed knives at them, oh, right? Fucking hell, I'm going to get a lot of knives on a buffalo. Yeah, so this is the bizarre thing about it, but what they're starting to realise is that they were looking into the origins of these names, and this is something I've been looking into, sort of giants recently, yeah, yeah. you know. And what they realise now is when they're referring to like big men, giants, yeah, and they're yeah. looking at pygmies or tiny men, there's sometimes only a few inches difference between them. Right, yeah. So it could be the case that somebody's coming on the island who's six foot tall, and they're saying, oh, well, these people are obviously um, giants. Yeah, yeah. And you've got some smaller people who might be sort of just five foot or yeah. four foot five yeah, yeah. or something. There's a fucking huge difference when you see that. And they're referring to them, right, as being basically pygmies. Yeah, yeah. But what are the findings you know, the ethnologists, right, have found that there's a strange sort of thing to do with like the local Lewis men. So where these these Lewis these strange pieces of um, uh, ivory which make up your chest set them yeah, right? yeah. they find there's a genetic oddity amongst the local men. The island of Lewis offers a remarkably rich field of investigation to the ethnologist in view of the marked diversity of its types. Mr Beddo, whose authority will be acknowledged, suggests that one of these types, which is a short thick-set, snub-nosed, dark-haired, and even dark-eyed race of people on these islands was probably Aboriginal to the area, right? Meaning that they were Finnish. They were Finlanders. Right. But their reference to Finlanders at the time, the colon Finnish, for one thing or another, they were Eskimos. Wow. They thought they could have been Laplanders or true Finn Laplanders. <laughs> Or related to Eskimos and things like this yeah, as well. Yeah. And they'd actually come down. Wow. Little people on little yeah, canoes and kayaks. Yeah, yeah. And they had been on the islands themselves. So what could possibly have happened is that the local islanders, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, I mean, yeah. going to the island to go get their seabirds and eggs and stuff, and found people already there. Yeah. Little people. Well, totally different, you know, proper dark hair, dark eyes. And of course, Eskimos, you think they were going to come up and visit them when it's freezing cold? I bet a load of Eskimos thought, this is freezing, let's go down somewhere warm. <laughs> you what, know? What, what they found is, and a lot of these things, is some some uh, of the, the Aboriginal uh, races from up there were like sea gypsies. Yeah. As in, they just never lived in any one place, they just yeah. lived off boats and then yeah. pitched camps and tents and stuff, and then they moved on. And on the other side of the world, is exactly the same with Contiki uh, Man and all that. Oh, the Contiki, yeah. yeah, yeah they're like sea gypsies, aren't they? Yeah. They, they just never stayed, or they just kept on travelling, didn't they? Well, but if you think as well, when can you imagine these people had come across the island to sort of gather the uh, eggs and, and they'd found these men there, yeah. these little people, then they've come back to their own islands these, these little people all over the bloody island. Okay. Right, quick, come, let's go look. And they've gone. Ah, yeah. So the white magic up. So, so yeah. this might be the or origin, or the origin, 
of the little people oh, of those islands. It's really the origin of the leprechaun. And like the origin it, yeah. of the leprechaun. They're just doing a little canoe, just like dispersed, thinking, wow, we've been rumbled, boys, let's go. But there's a good chance to see these these islands as well. These, uh, the Finns or whoever it might be, these uh, Eskimo types. I'm saying Eskimos, I'm not sure that's a very good word for them, I don't know anymore. But um, it's these Aboriginal races from that area. Yeah. They could have been all along the shores down there. They could have been roving all around to sort of especially you see very very harsh weather they might be coming down to the other islands and yeah. taking things or even trading and just generally being seen yeah. and people think god who are these little people exactly trading their lucky charms and trading their lucky <laughs> charms <laughs> <laughs> To the sort of like crux of the problem, we've kicked an awful lot of theories over the edge. Oh, a lot of them. And there's actually there's only one proper solid theory left, right? And it's the favourite, if you like. Uh-huh. But it's, it's still no less mysterious than the rest. And this is the idea that the men were washed away by a giant wave or giant waves. Mm, yeah, right, yeah, let's get into this. Let's, I'm gonna say calm, it's supposed to be calm for a week, though, you know what I mean? Oh. Go on, actually. I just thought of some of them. Well, the th- well, the, what they're saying is that the, actually they said he was calm for a week, but it wasn't. Ah. On the twelfth before, there were gigantic storms. I mean, massive storms. Right. Uh, and actually, even in what because there was reference to the logbook in it was referenced that the fact they did see certain yeah. things in the log. So the logbook was found. Yeah. By yeah. the uh, superintendent. And in that, because one of the things they found when they came onto the island, they found a gigantic rock on the west landing, resting on the walkway, a one-ton rock. <laughs> but that was actually... Uh, fallen down, that's gone up. No, no, he's fallen down, right. it's fallen off the cliff, you right. see. But that has actually been logged and catalogued by the lighthouse keepers to say, look, a big rock's dislodged, cool. it's down there, so they're aware of it. Yeah, yeah. And that is not the rock that caused any damage. Right. So it's just fallen and it's there, but obviously being a tunnel, there's only three guys. They're not going to yeah, sort of like try and sort that out anytime soon. Yeah. It's a bit of a faff around, isn't it? Yeah. So you know they didn't. So what they thought the theory is that a giant freak wave of some sort has come up. Uh-huh. Now a solid theory is that one guy's fallen in the water, yeah. the other guy's tried to throw him a rope or something like that. Yeah. Uh, as the last, the, uh, the like MacArthur comes out, Donald MacArthur comes out to help. Haul him ashore, that's when a freak wave has swept uh, in and yeah. caught them, right? But there's issues with that because the height of the island, right, at its highest point. Now, let me get some uh, stats for you here now. Even that shot, you, you show me a couple of photos, and that one quite low. It's, just, it's like a dome, isn't it? You know, it's a high fucking island. Well, that's the thing. So it's like the cliff is about 200 feet. So, it, so it's egg shaped, is the island, right? Yeah, yeah. And the peak of the sub, and it's the peak of a submarine mountain, right? And it rises almost vertically from the sea to form a series of cliffs at least 150 feet in height, right? So that's the height. It's yeah, just, yeah, it's yeah, absolutely monstrous, yeah. right? 
And above the cliff line, there is a steep grassy bank sloping upright. So where the point where the actual lighthouse is on. So at its highest point, right, it's, it's 200 feet high at its northern end, right? And that's the point where the lighthouse is built. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's because this is the reason why they have to build these specialist uh, railways and stuff to get everything on. Yeah. You didn't have to do this on the other lighthouses. Yeah. This is because this place is extraordinarily difficult. And remember, it took four years to construct this. Right. And as we can see from the pictures, which we'll post up, yeah, yeah. it's not that much building for four years construction. Yeah, it really is. It's just one. <laughs> it's, a light, it's a lighthouse on a rock with a couple of railways attaching it. Yeah, and four yeah. years' work is because the weather was so bloody awful. Right? But there's awful weather and there's awful weather, right? Yeah. Now, 150 feet high, that's one hell of a height it's at. So what I've done is I've researched the heights of some of the biggest waves ever. Oh, sweet. Right? <laughs> is it rogue waves? Let me get that out of the way, because I'm just keep dying. This is exactly what we're looking oh, at. We're looking at rogue waves, right? Right, so they have found, right, waves which have come up and perhaps smashed glass, right? There was one, uh, 1861, the island of Eagle Island, right, off the west coast of Ireland, right? The lamps were smashed, the panes of glass were smashed on, on, a, on a particular... Lighthouse. Uh, on a particular lighthouse, wow. right? And it was, so it was, they reckon it was about 87 feet high was that. The long, the highest recorded wave, by the way, have only been about 90 feet high. Oh, Genuinely right. recorded by life yeah, boys yeah. and things like this, you know. And so these ones were these huge wrecks of the uh, 1865, the Cutter Enid was in the Tasman Sea on the Long Reef of uh, New South Wales of Australia, right? When the helmsman saw, saw three huge waves come along, right? And he just like ripped apart all sorts of stuff, just caused mayhem. Um, on 10th of October 1903, the RMS uh, Air Truria, right? It was only four hours away from New York City, right? And a 50-foot high wave hit them sort of to one side as well, almost wiped them out completely. Um, a lot of them are shipping ones of these because the actual sort of recorded ones, it's just like 80-foot high wave off sort of cost, you know. So they um, at midnight on the 5th or 6th of the uh, May 1916, the British po polar explorer Ernest Shackleton, right. Um, so that very famous explorer, you know, he was yeah. on a small sailboat, right, James Caird in the Southern Ocean during a storm, when he thought he saw the bad, bad weather was clearing to the west astern. He then realised that what he thought was a line of white clouds above the clear, dark sky was actually the crest of a single, enormous wave that oh. struck and nearly swamped his boat. So this is a guy who, one of the most famous explorers of all time yeah, ever, yeah. was reported saying, no, this thing was absolutely amazing. We've got ones of the, um, uh, near the De Dominican Republic here, 70 feet high, right? right? There's one that in August 1924, the British Ocean uh, liner Homeric arrived in New York, right? Uh, after steaming through a hurricane, right? In which an 80-foot rogue wave struck the boat, oh. smashing in potholes, everything like this, you know, I mean, just absolutely knacking everything. Yeah, yeah. And I could go on, right, they go on and on, I've got pages, 70 feet, 80 feet, 50 feet, 60 feet. What about feet. that one George Clooney died in? <laughs> <laughs> the perfect storm. Oh, well, the perfect storm. Well, those, <laughs> but what, what I'm trying to say, right, is basically when you go through all these, I haven't got, right, I don't think I've got any footage of what that one was based on because I believe it was based on one. Yeah, it's, it's a really good book. Yeah. Such a good book, is that? Right. But everybody died, so you just know, <laughs> know what you've got white. You don't out, know what it's yeah, yeah. the truth of the matter. But a perfect you know. storm, if, if there was some you know, around that record, it's, it's one in a million, isn't it? Yeah. 
Well, well, that's the thing. But I mean, what what we're coming to here is that yeah. there's not enough waves to get so, up to what 150, oh, up to nearly 200 feet. Like 200 feet. So they're getting to 100 feet in mm. height. Now, what they're thinking is, what one thing that did happen is that Ducat had already been fined five shillings at one point because the rope storage box which he's got yeah. had been dislodged and damaged and they said you know, you've got to keep your ropes really oh, careful he got fined for that and he got fined for that oh. so one thing I think it was on his mind all the time thinking oh it's bad weather out here I've got my ropes are going to get washed away again yeah, yeah. I'm going to be in deep lumber here I'm going to yeah. lose my job and that is actually one of the main reasons I think he left I think he was the one who went out to check the ropes right. then his fellow mate came with him and said oh you know yeah, and he's going to come screaming back saying he's, he's gone for his the boxer rope has been washed away help 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 kind of yeah, thing yeah. but even so to get all three men washed away by a freak wave oh, yeah. is it going to happen because if one man's been washed away by the freak wave the yeah. other one's come up to look for help yeah. well the last man is he going to go exactly without his bloody oil skins off yeah. he's going to rush out of there and if he is is he going to be at the top now the damage that we've described is they didn't even have a chance to sort of like chuck out the life belt. belt yeah, but they, yeah. had, they had a life belt at the top. They couldn't get that deployed out into the water in time. Yeah. That was destroyed by the sea. It was ripped apart right. by the sea, was that? And that was at 110 feet high. Oh, right. So it was ripped so, apart. Some action were going on there. At 110 feet. If it was the sea. Because you've got to remember the rail and metal railings on the pathway down, right, that kept the bogey, the little train, yeah, yeah. from coming off. They had metal railings just twisted apart like toffee. Wow. Wrenched apart like toffee. So whatever had hit, had hit with insane force yeah, yeah, to yeah. a height higher than some of the highest ever recorded waves. Do that, well, that's the thing. This is what's so weird because although we've been talking about pygmies and giant birds and all this sort of stuff, uh, the creepiest, weirdest one is what might be the truth. It might be that a freak wave of insane size uh, yeah. has come and just swept everything away. Whoa. Now, in my research for this, I thought, well, how big can a wave possibly get? You know, yeah. I've got research the biggest ever wave ever recorded. Was one thousand seven hundred and twenty feet oh, high? Oh <laughs> Jesus! No, that's. Oh. And I've seen I've seen a documentary on this as well. Mega tsunamis. <clears throat> well, it kind of is. I think it's a mega tsunami thing. Yeah, yeah. Because what happens was there'd been a uh, an earthquake. So it's the biggest uh, wave yeah. was recorded by humans. Was documented on like July the 9th, nineteen fifty eight, in Lituya Bay on the southeast of Alaska, when an earthquake triggered a series of events that resulted in a mega tsunami. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> exactly. Because what it happened is it happened in a particular way. It was a massive landslide. Yeah. The landslide shifted the water. That water uh, rushed up an inlet yeah, to yeah. a height of 1,720 feet, yeah. destroying forests, rocks, the, the tideline. And even now, it's not grown back. Even Christ, from that, from 62 that years ago. I remember, we were getting baked one day watching TV, and this dude were doing this experiment in this fish, you know, really big fish tank. Yeah. With a, you know, explaining I mean, yeah. mega tsunami. And the, just to see, it's like getting out of bath even. You get out of bath and it's like I'm fucking, I'm slopping all over the floor. Yeah. It's an amazing amount of power. Some are falling in at one place, what the train reaction of it, or funneled especially. Yeah. Shit, that's a good one. But the only way of it working is if there's a tsunami. Yeah. And channeling that water. And you can like news about fucking earthquakes or like that around areas. Yeah. There's nothing. Oh, nuts. <clears throat> 
as far as it's like geologically speaking, it's a dead area. It's although these are islands that poking above the sea level, which they are uh, yeah. marine mountains, which were made by um, sort of uh, by earthquakes uh, and yeah. by sort of like tectonic activity. It's all long dead. Because like uh, Arthur's is it Arthur's Seat, which is in Edinburgh. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's on top of that's a volcano. Yeah, yeah, but been there. Long, yeah. long dead. It's all long dead. It's all dormant. It's never going to come back to life because that heat has. I've got up. one. I've got one. That explains the fucking job lot. Go right. On. Fucking one goes outside and he's like, "Shit, is that?" He looks up, big fireball. Oh, boys, look at this guy. Straight into the sea, creates a mega tsunami. All off. Wipes them all off. Possibility. But then again, it's off those islands. They're only sort of 30, 40 miles away from Oh, other people are going to see that, yeah, aren't they? You're going to be like everyone's in bed or all. <laughs> and as well as the tectonic activity, they're going to say there's earthquakes or something happened. Yeah. It wasn't. But I think one of the weirdest things is that we've got a new hero going to appear in this story. <laughs> oh, We what? have a new hero, right? We've got more juice here. Now, the problem we've got, you see, we've got monster waves. We've got potentially gigantic waves and things of immense force that could occur, you know. And... It needs to have exceptional circumstances for these things to occur. Yeah, yeah. Big waves, 50, 60 foot, yeah. But it's not going to reach where these men are. Yeah. It's not going to wash three men off that particular landing. It needs something a lot more powerful, a lot more unusual, and a lot more devastating. Now, as it happens, because of the shape of the actual island itself, where they built the West Landing, they thought it'd be in a little... Shelter, yeah, like a little cozy bay, a little it's mini like a bay. tiny little cozy bay they built yeah, into, yeah. right? And this bay is called Skiobageo, <sighs> and they thought, oh, and it did more often than not, it actually just served to to protect yeah, them yeah. and things like this. But it also served another purpose. It accidentally, sometimes, very occasionally, channeled the sea into it with immense force. If you look at that, it's like a little dog like coming back in it and it's a good divot into that island there, isn't there? Yeah? Well if you look at if you look at the we're gonna put this picture up on the uh, on our Instagram page and our Instagram page is Crack and Cove Pod and we're gonna put it on uh, Twitter as well at Crack and Cove. And it is an is a nice little divot, it's a nice little sort of like island out. It's a good old size. Especially if you use the lighthouse as reference. Yeah. Oh shit yeah. You know? So you can see it like that. But we've got a man on the ground here. Right? right, because we weren't the only ones who were wondering what the hell's going on here, right? Yeah, and how this happened, and who actually sort of like worked out their own theories and worked towards it, and the sort of research they did is absolutely fucking mental, right? <laughs> so this is actually comes from the Vanishing Lighthouse Men of Aileen Moore by Mike Dash. Now I can highly recommend you look this up. This is the de- I really want to thank Mike Dash for this. He's been a great source. He's written a definitive research into the uh, lighthouse, um, and it's it's a, it's a fantastic piece of research. He's really gone to town here. So, as he writes, as Mike writes here, now after sixty years or so comes an alternative account as to what happened. An alternative to the idea that men were blown overboard or birds got them or anything like this, right? So the alternative account is reconstructed by a man who spent four and a half years as a lighthouse keeper on the Flannans. <gasps> oh, wow, so you were actually on there. Afterwards. He was one, yeah. Oh, cool, so what he saw what, over those years. Walter Aldebert, now principal lighthouse keeper at St Abbs in Berwickshire, risked his life many times to prove his own theory. His report, unofficial and personal, until now is unpublished, 
and is lodged together with a set of his photographs with the commissioners of Northern Lighthouses in George Street, Edinburgh. Said Mr. Aldebert, while I was at Flannan from 1953 to 1957, I would often sit there putting myself in the place of the principal, which is Ducat. A storm is raging and Mr. Ducat is worried about his landing ropes. Nobody goes out of a lighthouse in bad weather. If he loses his ropes, relief may be impossible because they can't use the ropes to help land the boats, right? So he must save them if he can. So after dinner, so which is after 12 o'clock, the wind starts to drop. It becomes better weather, you know? So leaving the cook to wash up, he and the other man put on their sea boots and coats and make their way to the west side as there is no handrail by the railway. They come to the safety path which does have a handrail. Reaching the path which runs at right angles to the stairway and seeing the path dry, they continue towards the crane which they use to sort of like bring all the kit and all the oil and stuff into the crane there, right? So, which is where the box for stowing the landing ropes is situated. Suddenly, a wave much bigger than the previous ones comes in and sweeps one of the men back into the sea. Mr. Aldebert believes the survivor, there is no means of saying which one, then made his way as quickly as possible the 45 degree track to the shoulder alongside the top of the lighthouse, shouting through the doorway that his mate has disappeared. The cook, who has just sat down after clearing dinner, knocks the chair from under him and rushes out without his coat. Grabbing a heaving line, the two men make their way back to the west side, hoping to throw the line to the unfortunate comrade. But then comes another huge wave, sweeping both men out to sea. Now, the idea that one way, then another way, and that's it, done and gone. Yeah, yeah. There's no evidence. Yeah. But Mr. Aldebrot used 30 spools of fear film, many of them ruined with water to illustrate the size of waves striking the rock face. Repeatedly he went out into storms, the worst photographic conditions, and crawling on his hands and knees to get the shot that would prove that waves rose not just 100 feet high, not 150, but 200 feet and more, well above the crane platform at the west landing. On the shoulder of the island, 200 feet up, he himself was nearly washed away. He said, a coil of rope lying on top and too solid to be shifted by the wind was washed off. The water lay a foot deep after the wave receded. Even the lamp house, 330 feet up, can be splashed with spray from these storms. My pictures do not show the highest waves, but they give some idea of the immensity. Perhaps these poor fellows, being fairly new to the Aflanans, did not realise the extreme danger. Oh God, that's good. Yeah. Basically, we think with what what Walter Aldebrecht is saying, he's saying that somehow gigantic waves did occur up to yeah. the height of like nearly three hundred feet. So, what's your thoughts? So it's not coming over like a tidal wave. It's literally hitting the island. It's hitting that little alcove and shooting up onto the island again. Or is it a giant wave just coming 300 feet? Well, I think, my my thinking behind it is, it's, you're right in what you're saying, I think it's coming at just the right angle is a huge wave. Yeah, yeah. It's hitting that tiny little inlet. Yeah. The force is being funnelled. 
Yeah, man. And it's shooting out like a giant water spout. <laughs> and you're only going to see that if you're on island like that crazy old bastard taking photos. He's taking photos thinking, no one's seeing this. No one's going to believe this. I have to get proof because this is it's a phenomena, isn't it? it? Well, that's exactly what it is. It is a phenomena. And it's I've got another account here. Just This is another one. So it's this is this account was I just managed to find a chunk of this online. It's just like one of these little Google yeah, Doc yeah. kind of things, and it actually says Walter Aldebert, who was a keeper of the Flannan Light from 1953 to 1957, whiled away many hours trying to find a solution. The West Landing is in a narrow inlet, Skio Bageo, which ends in a cave. Right. So Aldebert photographed waves to show that occasionally a giant wave would thunder into the inlet, causing air pressure in the cave to explode and throw tons of water across the cliffs. His conclusion was that such a wave washed one man into the sea, the second rushed back to the lighthouse for help, and then as the two reached the west landing, a second wave carried them away. This is plausible but the records show that such explosive waves are very rare, and for two to occur so close together would be an extraordinary coincidence. Right, but just, if the wave, one wave hits it from that angle, wind's blowing that way, sea's going that way, the storm's going that way, so I don't think it's a massive coincidence that two or three or four, you know what I mean? It could have been like a repeated... But it must have been like the end of the world. It must have been like a bomb going yeah. off. Imagine I, noise at that, and it's in cave. And then the power it. of, and as you say, tons of sea. This is this isn't just a matter of sort of like a wave hitting you, like, which is bad enough. Yeah, this yeah. is this is it. Force is like an explosion, like a sea explosion. Right, go me up first blow. Just like shit, I'm getting my ropes. I'm gonna get fucking doing this. He goes out. Second one goes out. It might not even be rushing back and forth, but they might be just going one at a time. Like second yeah. one's gone out. Like I'm gonna go out. Then that lonely man, he's just in the island and he's hearing that racket, and he just kind of loses it a bit and just charges out after him. And that's a yeah, the boom. Yeah, the insane. boom, boom. It must, the whole island's rock. Oh fuck, that's so cool. I bet it makes your ears pop and oh, everything. Man, yeah, I bet. And the horror, just the horror. Cause you know, you've been on that island days and you don't like it, then suddenly you're hearing shit like that. That's it. It's like the gods are at war or something. But what about this Albert guy, though, Mr. Alderbrett, you know? A hero on his belly. Think it's me, though. He's saying there's a foot of water on that. It's a fucking dome. Yeah. But there's still a foot of water. Foot of water on it. Oh, that's which is just Which is enough just to wash you off anyway. Exactly, and he's slipping about he's with his little shitty old yeah. camera. What a do. Yeah, and even though he's made, I'm going out again, but get back in here. Yeah, he, 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 he must have knocked him for it a bit, you know. So he's the hero of the whole scenario, I think. And also, but one thing I would like to point out that not every part of the mystery is sort of like being definitively answered. Yeah. The bodies have never washed up. Yeah. And they did wash true. up on that coast. These the, the, I think it was the 15th, that's the day it occurred. Yeah. Mild weather. It wasn't massively stormy. Whoa. You know? There's the idea as well that it was very calm within the building, as in there wasn't yeah. a massive ruckus of things going on. Yeah. Just one moved chair, nothing else. And so it's a theory. That's all it is with the sea. It's just a theory, isn't it? It's it could be all great. It could be just that wave banging against it. Even if it weren't milder, it would just time to unlock the secrets of Flannan. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they just slipped away into that pot. You know, you just changed the dimensions of it or something. I know. Christ. Absolute madness, Ooh. isn't it? And I tell you what, I'm looking at oil skins and closed doors and all that bollocks, and I'm not looking at the shape of the actual island thinking, of course that's going to make some difference to it. So yeah. 
you know, it's a real anomaly to yeah. an island, isn't it? And that getting pounded back to sea. Man, that's some beautiful research. Brave, dude. brave men though. But I, I'm, I'm erring on the side. I think I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kick the giant wave over the side. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one that I think will stick to for now. The theory that that's what it is. But again, as I said before in the part one, yeah. only three men really know yeah. whatever happened, and they as they're gone down to David Jones' lock. Oh. Up into the sky, taken by giant birds or aliens. Yeah, <laughs> or little pygmies. Who the pygmies might have got them? Yeah, <laughs> might be lucky chow. Yeah, that's you know what I mean. The UFO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an amazing tale, isn't it? Well, now what? Because of all that, you see, there's one more mystery that we need to uncover. What? Where the cat went? No. <laughs> What's in them bags anyway? What did you bring us back? Snapwise. <laughs> I've got all sorts of goodies. One bars, uh, scampi fries. Uh, oh, Canatizers. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I've got some other little treats in there for you. There's a little surprise in oh, there. Oh, that's brilliant. But we'll <laughs> dig into them now because I think we've earned it. After Me, that, you are doing all that, Christ. Wow. Oh. Well, I'm glad you're back. I need a bit of a tidy up of my beard now. Yeah, I think you do. On. Get a washing all your fucking on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start cleaning up because it's fucking me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just left for me to say now, well, I'm glad Benny's back. And from me, Matt, and me, Benny. It's a big goodbye, so goodbye from Kraken Cove. <laughs> I take care, guys. Bye. <laughs>